Hey everybody, this is Eddie Dacius. We're here uh, for a great episode. This is Divine Purpose Podcast and we have a wonderful guest um, today. Um, her name is Gail Walken. She lives in Portland, Maine, and she brings together more than 20 years of experience of teaching infused with former athletic and personal recovery experience with brain injury. Um, she's an author, artist, educator, business owner, and concussion recovery ex- expert. So we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have Gail talking about herself, her upbringing. But before we we go, let's go with our um our advertisers. Did you know that most people would rather have root canal versus having their headshot taken? Hi, I'm Barry Bronstein of Barry Bronstein Photography and I create headshots that people love. When you work with me, I help you to feel comfortable, show and teach you how to smile, to feel at ease in front of the camera and light you in a way that makes you look great. All right, so we have Barry bouncing photography so call them now 781-237-0495 we have another sponsor this is that's for theory management call them now 617-237-0106 or go online www.dasysfm.com do you want to maximize the value of your commercial property and achieve optimal productivity and efficiency in your day-to-day business operations that's where Dacius Facilities Management can help. DFM offers Boston area businesses help in key areas like building and preventive maintenance, handyman services, project and vendor management, and even security consulting at competitive rates. Call Dacius Facilities Management now at 617-237-0106 or visit DaciusFM.com today. Yes, uh, that's just fm.com. Um, please check them, check them out on, on their website or call them 617-237-0106. Like, uh, like promised, we have a wonderful guest. Um, Gail, how are you today? I'm great. Thanks, Eddie. Thank you. All right. Thank you for being here. Very excited to learn more about yourself. Let's introduce the show. This is Divine Purpose Podcast for a new episode. Welcome to the Divine Purpose Podcast, where we transport you along one of the more dynamic journeys of life. Have you ever been curious to know what it takes to become a successful leader? Or about knowing the secrets of life through the Bible? How about engaging in conversation where no topics are off limits? We will take you to new levels with guests who can help you grasp the importance of your calling. Now, here's your host, Eddie Dacius, founder of Dacius Facilities Management. So if you want to support the podcast, um, you can do that on a give a little help a lot. Let's create a brighter future by learning and sharing each other this journey. So you can please scan the QR code to donate on Venmo, Cash App and PayPal. So the donation can go from twenty five dollars to five hundred or more. Any donation that's more than five hundred dollars they will be having a free advertising slot on our episode 617-227-0106 or go online www.dppodcast.com so we we i don't know if you're familiar with the podcast girl but we usually ask a question to our guests so what can you tell us about you today well i am a mother um, an artist. Uh, once I was a business owner for a skincare um, business. Uh, was a public school art educator for 20 years. Mm. Um, now I'm an author. I write primarily about brain injuries and I just finished a textbook for um, students to help them better understand their learning styles and work their way through their brain injury. And um, 
Yeah, no. Like I said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's that's a good question. But um let, let me let me start this. Um I know you said you you write about people with brain um injury. What kind of what got you to focus on that? There's so much so many other topics people can focus. What got you to go to with this path? Well, when I was um I was in nursing school and I was really excited that I was going to become a nurse and I was in the um, all but clinical, yeah. I'm all but clinical graduate. What happened was when I was in my clinical phase of nursing, I uh, was in a car accident and had what I thought was a very minor uh, injury. Mm. It was a flash. And over the course of three days, my injury turned into a traumatic brain injury. And wow. I exhibited all the signs that if you were to go and look up traumatic brain injury, I had most all the signs, including stuttering. So uh, it was a very difficult and shocking time for me. And mostly so because the hospital said that I had a significant brain injury. The CAT scan didn't show that, but they ascertained that I did have that from other tests and questioning. And they told my primary care doctor that, and I would meet with him every week. And he would tell me that, you know, I was 60 years old and I probably would not get much better. And I needed to just relax and, and just wait it out. And then he would proceed to give me a few stories about some other patients he had had of my age range and um, inform me of how they never could go back to their jobs. So I wasn't really encouraged about that. <laughs> I know, I know. But well, what kept you going? Well, I've always been the kind of person that when, you know, when someone tells you no, yeah. I, I have to figure out how to make it happen especially if it's a good thing, you know, yeah. and this would be a good thing getting better. So I worked very hard on finding out information and people who could assist me. And, and thank you for sharing this um, story and, and information. Let, let's, let's dive a little bit in, in your path, like um, growing up. I know, I don't know if you're growing up in Maine or Portland, Maine, any 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 stories, favorite memories, childhood memories you, you would like to share with the audience today? You know, I love that question. I, I, I read that question and I thought about a lot of different things. You know, I, I did not grow up in Maine. I've been in Maine for uh, over 40 years, but okay. I grew up in Rhode Island. What? Yeah, what? I grew up in Detroit, Rhode Island. Yeah. And, really? um, and so that is the watershed for the reservoir, you know, we have the reservoir there for the for the city of Providence and um, surrounding areas. We used to yeah. like swim in that, we'd get in trouble for that. Um, and I had a wonderful, I really had a great childhood. I uh, had a lot of different neighbors from different parts of the world and different cultures and everyone's house was different, mm. different architecture. You know, and it was a new development out in the countryside. And actually, I lived on Countryside Lane. And um, no two houses were alike. It's not like those um, developments we see now. So everything had a personality and a character, and the families did. And we had boys against the girls race around <laughs> the block, you know, barefoot on dirt roads. And We'd have a contest to see who could run the fastest through the woods barefoot, you know, and, and things like that. We just had a lot of fun being outdoors. I spent a lot of time up in a pine tree reading. That was my favorite place to go to read because I suppose it was quiet. Um, and you being an author now, what, what, what was your introduction to reading books or focus on, on, on that side of um, your your development because some people they they are about music sport you might be doing both but some people like really pay attention to read book or like they they used to like it's like a fun fun adventure like 
having the the head in in the book and then go wide in terms of the imagination so what was your first introduction to with the book is it your parents or was something you pick up on your own no my parents were readers and uh they would take us down to the library once a week on uh, whatever night it was. Maybe it was Friday night, Saturday night, I don't quite remember. But uh, we were allowed to take out however many books it was, maybe a half a dozen books, and um, bring them home and read them. My parents read to us as children. So we grew up being read to. And then, you know, we went to church and there was a lot of reading there. Yeah. So we were readers because there wasn't TV back then, you know, in my house, the way it was or is now. I mean, we weren't even allowed TV except for uh, a half an hour before dinner time. It was the Salty Brine show. And then we could uh, we could watch Saturday morning cartoons. But that was. Wow. You know, what's funny. I I had like three guests like today. They they had the Saturday morning or saturday morning cartoon and one guest mentioned about um art marshall i don't don't know if there was a art marshall after cartoon but that's kind of got him to do um like a karate but um that's interesting you just mentioned that too so let's go on about, about like you going to to the library with your parents and then pick a book did you understand what they were doing or was it just fun for you because they probably didn't allow you to do other things? Well, we got to do a lot of things actually in my house. I mean, I was really lucky. Uh, and um, going to the library, I, I knew they were, um, they were wanting us to enjoy the activity of reading. And yeah. most of us did. I had one sibling who did not, and it turned out that um, they had uh, they had a, a learning disability. So, okay. you know that explains that. Okay, all right. So let, let's go on your greatest accomplishment. Like looking back and at your years of experience, which which of your accomplishment you the proudest? Oh, I think I'm the proudest of raising two happy, healthy, loving, kind, responsible, caring citizens of the world. You know, I, I'm very proud of that. And, uh, and I'm also proud of what I've recently done. So. And you know. I, I like the way you put it. <laughs> I like the way you put it. I think they're going to be proud of you um, talking about them. So l- let's go with you starting your career is there one thing you wish you know before you engage or embark in this career you know actually i i had such a rigorous uh high school uh study schedule i had a full scholarship to a private school and because of that i worked my butt off and when i got out of school i took off for a year or two, I think it was, and um, I uh, I really didn't know what I wanted to be. I always thought I'd be an artist. You know, I, I have a story I tell about. You know, one of my childhood stories has to do with a, a, an experience with an with an artist at a very young age, and the impression they made on me. And I I left that um, experience believing that I was always an artist. Yeah. But I knew that. <laughs> that to go to school to be an artist didn't really promise a, a livelihood. Mm. You know, how was I going to make money? Because the all, the only people who made money as artists were, um, well, an artist didn't make money until they were dead, is what I, I you, know? <laughs> so you had to die in order to make money. So I, I still wanted to do that because because my parents had introduced us to so many different things, we had a very rich experience of a childhood. And yeah. I couldn't decide on what I wanted to be. And and that's that's very amazing the way you put it. Um, let's go with this question because I, want, I would like to see if you had the chance to kind of gather every experience you, you had growing up 
and then to kind of allow you to be the person you are today. Is there a few things you can pick up like from your parents, things they said, things they allow you to do to allow you to have that creative mind, like uh, the, the that like that fire to try new things or maybe that uh, confidence to to take risk? I don't know which way that's going to apply to you. So that's why I'm giving you a different. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, you know, I think one of my father's favorite phrases and directions to us was go figure it out. And uh, we were we were relegated to the outdoors most of the time on great days because my mother didn't want five children running in, around the house yelling and screaming. So we were left on our own a lot outside okay. that was the other thing we were left alone and uh the neighborhood mothers pretty much raised us during the week you know okay. we go from one house to the other but we would find things to do we would build forts in the woods or we would walk two miles into town with our 25 cents to buy some candy i mean we went a lot of places where a lot of children now don't go but my dad's best friend was uh an owner of a sporting goods store in providence uh, Bill Henry, he had a sporting goods store. And because of that, we were able to try out many different sports and have the equipment for them. So we had bikes and we had skis. And my parents were national ski patrolmen, which enabled us to go all over New England and ski at different ski areas for, wow. free, you know, because they would volunteer. And, um, you know, my mother was, uh, she worked on the ambulance. She volunteered on the on the Situate Ambulance Corps. So, you know, we were made aware of certain things that happened and what ambulances did for people. So there was, yeah. a, there was a real, and I was sent to an art class. And, uh, you know, everyone, I had music lessons, piano lessons. Uh, and my mom had a room that we had a, a washing machine and dryer and a big chest freezer in that. And yeah. the upright piano was in there with a toy box. And my mother invited everyone who came into the house to take a crayon and draw on the walls in there. So, so mm -hmm. the whole room's walls were full yeah. of people's cartoons and signatures and um, little, little memories that they would write. So it was a very um, active, creative house. And I can remember when I wanted to get some peace and quiet, I would be in the corner of the living room, upside down on a big comfortable chair, you know, with the book over my head, looking up at the ceiling. And when the, when, when the, when the book got a little boring, I'd, I would imagine that now the ceiling's the floor and I'm wow. going to walk into the door jams. And, you know, I was always playing mind games like that. Mm, that's that's impressive. So let's talk about some challenges. Um, can you share three most challenging events in your life and how did they challenge you? Well, when I looked at this question, I, I thought it pertained to now. But um, now the most challenging thing for me is help figuring out how to affect a change in the world to better help people be diagnosed and subsequently treated for brain injuries. That's a huge challenge because yeah. I'm not a doctor and, but I have some insights and I've shared them with two neurologists and they agree that I have I have some helpful suggestions, let's put it that way. And okay. one of them said, I never thought of this before this way. So um, that, that's been a challenge. Talking about brain injury things without eliciting a victimhood, if you will. Yeah. I have had to walk a very fine line and I've been very aware that um, that could all be misconstrued you know, someone said, oh, you've done such a fine job. Well, there's lots of people who have done a lot of things. I don't really think that's that. That's the, the special part. I think a special part is when we take something and we do something with it to help other people. Because I've been given this information because I experienced it. Yeah. And now I get to do something with that. That's the special part. Mm. I'm 
I'm very driven right now to affect a change in different areas. And um, a challenge for that would be um, addressing the law, you know, and the way uh, I just was helping a woman from out of state who has been navigating some um, some time in, in court. And I've helped her understand that, you know, she doesn't have to prove. I mean, if someone has cancer, do we ask them to prove it? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Someone has a brain injury, and there's a group of people standing over there saying, Well, we don't believe that. You look fine. And actually, those people are not fine. Mm. And they can't even formulate the logic to argue on behalf of themselves. So I think a lot of people who go to court need advocates, people who have brain injuries. And maybe that's happening in some places, but it's not happening where she is, and she's in New Jersey. Oh, wow. Wow. So let's talk about your, your, because we, we call it embrace your calling and where people, they were set to do something and then something, it's like a weekend call. Like you, you just, okay. You just realized that should be your purpose. Now, can you recall any moment? And I know you talk about your accident, but what was the actual process to have the vision and then, get in the plan to achieve it? Well, when I was struggling to get myself back on track and um, looking at things, I thought I was miserable. I was just miserable. And I spent a lot of time in my bedroom in a darkened room because the light was so offensive to my eyes. It still is. And, uh, and finally, I just realized that I, I, I've told people that, you know, God came to me and said, you know, you're going to sit right here wow. <laughs> until you figure this out, mm. until you figure it out. Just like my dad used to say, figure it out. Wow. And what happened was through my learning about what was happening with me, things that I could do to help myself, I thought, wow, how many other people are there out there like me who live alone and have no one to help them? I mean, I couldn't I, I couldn't um, cook on the stove without walking away and forgetting that it was on. I mean, I, I was doing really um, not safe things. And I thought, how many other people are like this? And so I thought, you know, I'm going to write a book to help other people who are healing alone from a traumatic brain injury. But what wow. I didn't understand at the time was I wasn't reading any of those books and um, who was going to read that book. But it turned out that some people did read that book and it was very helpful for them. So. Yeah. So you, you, you're good. It, so then it, it, it's sort of, the first book was like, oh, my goodness, I wrote a book. But then I thought, oh, so what? Like, let's do something else because this isn't enough. You know, I have to do more to help people. So um, that when I finally realized that I could do more and I believed that I could do more. And actually, I didn't really believe that until recently. Mm. I didn't really believe that. I just kept doing things, you know, and eventually if you do enough things, <laughs> In you know, with a positive intention like that, eventually it morphs into a reality. Reality, yeah. And, and this is great to lead to my next question. Did you have Did you have your wow moment yet? Where yes, you had the vision, you have the urge to do something, and you started to do it, you produce it, but you might be on uh, disbelief of the impact, right? And then something happened a testimony from somebody or somebody saying something and you with yourself saying wow because you see the progress you see the impact of something you you're doing did you do you have that wow moment yet yes and yes and no i, I there's a part of me that's still not believing sometimes <laughs> but but um but i had a mom call me and she had read the book and her son who was 22 years old at the time had been in a 
car accident, um, his car had hit a tree and his cranium got caved in and um, he ended up in a hospital for four months, non-responsive, you know, feeding tube. And the staff and the doctors told his parents that they needed to take him home because they had exhausted everything they could do for him. And this was a big hospital outside of New York City. This wasn't, you know, this wasn't in the country somewhere. So um, they took him home and I had put on a website, a free download of my book. Yeah. And uh, they read, they read the book and they found me and they said, you've got to help us. And I said, well, you know, that I'm really not a doctor. And the mother said to me, she said, <laughs> with such conviction, you have to help me. She said, because when my son wakes up, you are going to tell me what he's thinking. Mm. And you know what that happened? Wow. 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 And he woke up because I made her promise. And we argued over three Zoom meetings, <laughs> three different days, <laughs> you know, because I kept saying, no, I'm not your person. I can't do this. I felt a huge amount of responsibility. Yeah. And, um, and uh, I said, if, if I'm going to help you understand what he's saying or thinking or needs to do, you have to agree to contact my neurologist who was in Florida. And that neurologist put Miguel on a drug that he used off, what they call off-label. So, okay. And he'd been using this drug. It's nemotapine is the name of the drug. He's been using it off-label for 30 years. And he has found that when he uses this, it helps brain injured people. So he put Miguel on this drug and Miguel woke up four days later after starting. Mm. Wow. So I, then I that I, was a wow for me. I think I just got a wow moment. <laughs> that was wow. a wow. No, no, that's, that's, that's impressive. And, and I had a, I had, I was uh, having that conversation with a, a friend of mine and we were talking about impact, you know, if you can measure your impact, I don't think you're doing an impact. <laughs> Meaning you're reaching so many people, you'll be, you, you lose track of it and you wouldn't be focused on, oh, let me see. No, you're just going to be genuine about it and then just do your work. So let's, let's go on a quick break um, before we continue, but um, we appreciate you being here um this is gail with us today and we we on divine purpose podcast let's go for a quick break what comes before making a smart decision choices a smart choice is the best option which is who we are that's why our clients expect more from us and in return get more in everything we do we understand the problem that's why we thrive for excellence we don't just create a winning culture. We aspire to be a smart choice, a voice for solutions. We believe in integrity, professionalism, and teamwork. Our passion is to bring results from our clients by working harder, smarter, and faster. As a team, we always deliver because we recognize your needs. Choosing smart influences us to be the best version of ourselves. That makes us different than other companies. It makes us confident in achieving our goals. It makes us who we are. And it makes us DFM, the smart choice. Yes, uh, we're back with um, our special guest today, Gail Weekend today. Uh, she's, the, she's a creative artist. She's an author. And she's going to tell us more about herself. Um, let's go with this question because I feel like people nowadays with a lot of sport they're not educated about brain injury like you were saying sometimes you cannot show it like if somebody's diagnosed with cancer you have the data proving they are diagnosed but uh, with brain injury it's it's not that obvious so can you talk about a few signs? I know you're not a doctor, but I know you're gonna just talk about your experience, things you experience, um, you 
you experience that really get you to see this is this is serious well um one of the things that happened to me a lot was called flooding and flooding happens when you are in an environment that let's say noisy so for me i give an example in my book where i thought i was ready to go out and be around people so i went to an event and it had a speaker several speakers and you know the chairs and so on and the lights and it was in a hotel ballroom and i became extremely flooded and that made me exhausted to mm-hmm. the point where i fell asleep sitting up just sitting right up in the chair right there wow and um and following that event days later i was exhausted and i slept and i um had a difficult time getting through those days you know so i think some of the signs that people might notice is there's there'll be a personality change you know and a lot of um people who experience a brain injury will get very um very agitated and easily agitated and okay. I, believe, i believe what's going on for them so people understand is that you get agitated because you can't understand yeah you can't filter and you you can't filter the information that's coming in, in in the same way you used to and you know this you're aware of it and also it's hard to formulate um sentences and have conversation the way you used to because words may not come to you and uh it causes you to be frustrated frustrated <laughs> yeah so let's say someone in high school a high school student you know they've gotten their head clocked in practice or something and now they're in class and you know they complain of a headache and they complain that they can't focus on the work and oftentimes and i saw this when i taught school and it's it's interesting that now i get to see it from the other side but um yeah. many teachers would say oh you know gail just doesn't want to do her work today you know she's just being obstinate or we don't usually see her like this but you know but she's just trying to get out of doing her work because she hit her head in practice that that would be something i yeah you would hear and the truth of the matter is gail wants to do her work but it's hard for her to do her work because her eyesight's weird and yeah. we haven't looked at that yet that's a big thing someone's eyesight can be totally off and there aren't that many neuro ophthalmologists around mm. and see one is almost yeah it's like an act of congress i mean it's very difficult for someone who appears to be normal and if you're going through regular medical channels like with your um primary care doctor and he you know if they can they'll send you to then an ophthalmologist an eye doctor and then if the eye doctor deems you fine then you don't yeah. get to see the neuro ophthalmologist unless yeah. you have deep pockets yeah you're right you're right so um let, let's go with this question because I, i i i really like the direction this conversation is going and i will challenge you with a question where it's been it's been that's a question i've been asking a lot of people lately in terms of um the confidence where people they call it imposter syndrome it might not relate to you but i just wanted to ask you this question where you you doing something that you just going it with not a lot of research a lot of um study experience and now you had that mom reaching out to you and then asking you to do something um uh, do you know anything about imposter syndrome feeling that you're not qualified for the job and can you take tell us um don't take us to that process or take take us to a situation you experience absolutely you know um dr shauna menard who is a doctor in canada uh who retired from her position as a radiologist and became involved with the Institute of Integrative Nutrition which is something I was also involved with and Dr. Shauna decided that she and Dr. Mark Hyman actually both agree that the world needs more health coaches and so I thought oh I'm going to sign up with Dr. Shauna 
and see if I can't be a health coach and help people with their eating and their lifestyle. And Dr. Shauna looked at me and she said, you're a brain coach, Gail. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, how could that be? I'm brain injured. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, no, you know about brain injury. So wow. she made me, helped me to believe in myself. I mean, she did. Mm. Uh, that, that's good because that's, and I don't know, this is, I think this is related because now mental health is big. Um, more people are weeding or uh, uh, get awareness about it. What would be the message in terms of, uh, I'm going to tie it to self-care, mental health, especially for professionals where they focus on their career, but they're not taking the time to do self-development. Any advice for, for people in that category? Well, uh, self-development is something that um, pulled me out of the Grand Canyon of, of a brain injury. I sold my house and used the money that I got from selling the house and, and paid coaches. And every single coach I've had has given me a gift. And everyone has been phenomenal. You know, Dr. Shauna gave me the gift, many gifts. The first one was to believe in myself. And then it was reiterated with, you know, the mother. And then I, at that point I knew, but then I went on and I, I knew I had to learn how to speak. I didn't speak well, I stuttered and I wanted to overcome that. So I, I did a, um, a course, a few uh, workshops with uh, Jen Gottlieb and Chris Winfield. Okay. And um, they, they helped me <laughs> immensely. They helped me immensely. And um, I, I forget the name. It's awful. I forget the name of that right now. But they still do that. Um, and I did, a, I did a whole year with them. I also um, enjoyed Tony Robbins and... I had a coach named Jeffrey Combs. I had a Susan Sly, who I don't even know if she does this anymore, but she was early on and she helped me organize my life. And that was the name of her, her, um, her course, Organize Your Life. But at that point in my life, I could not uh, stamp an envelope easily and everything was disorganized, which was totally not me. I'm not a disorganized person, but that's something that comes along with a brain injury. So she helped me. I took, I think I took her course three or four times, but by the time I got through it, I had organized my desk area and that was great. I mean, I, um, it seemed like every coach I went to, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher appears and, yeah. and um, and so now I'm I'm with uh, JT Fox, and he is a phenomenal business coach. And I've learned so much in the company of all these people that I've spent time with for two years now. And it's uh, given me structure. And most importantly, it's provided me with a community of like-minded people who all have different businesses and interests and are brilliant in what they do. and. I think everyone should get a coach. I'm sure I left someone out and I, it's terrible, but I've had a lot of coaches and I think everybody needs to do that. And and I think you, you might have a new calling too, to recommend coaches because now, because my question would be, you, you told us you you sold your house mm -hmm. and to pay for coaches now. That's a twofold question. Why sell the house and then how did you find the right coaches? Oh, I don't know. I think that was divine. <laughs> <laughs> I sold the house because I had a brain injury and I didn't understand I could keep it. Okay. Now that's something that, um, you know, all of these things will be taken care of eventually because I'm, I say so, but, and, and I mean, taken care of, cause I think about how many people out there have families. Like I lived alone. So 
you know, for me to sell my house, the only person who has to pack up and move is me. But can you think of a mother or a father who have to pack up the kids and go because they they uh, they can't stay there anymore? Yeah. And they don't. But maybe in some of those situations, people understand better because there are other people there to give them input and help them think about it. I was um, I was flying solo on this. So I sold the house and I looked at it like an adventure. And I knew that I would benefit from coaching, from learning new things. I, that was the only way to move forward. I mean, if we don't take steps to move forward, we stay where we are. And where I was was not fun. So I wasn't, that wasn't even, even in the cards. That wasn't. You, you know, yes, moving forward is paramount if you want to uh, succeed, if you want to, if you're looking for development. But why the coaching route? Some people will use other route. Why? What kind of led you to be, to be say, coaching that might be a more effective uh, outcome if I, if I go there? I don't know if, if my question is, is being clear. Because, I think I understand. Okay, go ahead. Um, why coaching as opposed to, you know, going to school and, and, and becoming a French teacher or, you know, if you could, minus the brain injury or something. Like yeah, so I think other people would take other um, avenues, but why you took coaches? Well, because I knew that I, because I wasn't going to be a nurse anymore. Okay. I wasn't going to be a nurse anymore. So that plan had to be scrapped. I needed to do something. So if I want to coach other people, I need to learn about coaching. Yeah. You know, but also coaches, great coaches are great people <laughs> and they're developed people. You know, so I think a lot of people think that some coaches just are uh, very narrow in their um in their scope of uh, knowledge and practice, but business coaches know about all different aspects of life and usually mm. enjoyed them. So I gravitated towards them because I had owned a business at one point in my life and I, I knew about business. Okay. Uh, so I thought, why not? But I didn't start off with just, I didn't start off with, well, I guess I did. I started off with Dr. Shauna, you know, and she was, helping people become coaches in, in health. And I saw myself as, oh, that's a possibility. I, maybe I can do that to help people. Do, do you have a vetting process? The reason is uh, we, we're trying to give more content, more uh, explanation to the audience. Some people might not get um, every aspect of that conversation but allow us to go deeper might give them the um, perspective of what we're talking so yes you you went to get coaches but what was your vetting process was it just somebody available doing something that's aligned to your background or your your i don't know your expectation but what was your vetting process because the reason I'm trying to say it is because we have a lot of coaches out there. We we interview people, we do coaches, and the the testimony are not the same, right? So they're not the same in terms of the the quality of the course or the the expectation or the work. Or some people just they do it for the money. But what was your vetting process to find the right one? Well, I think they find me. And also, I've turned down a lot of people because they're not ready. They're not ready to get better. And I, some people will never get better because they don't want to. And I believe that I found the coaches I found because I was ready for them yeah. at that time. And they... They sort of one sort of built on the other. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't have been looking for a coach to help me have a business with coaching people with brain injuries if yeah. I hadn't have had a coach <laughs> that had helped me understand that I knew brain injuries better than she the doctor did. Yeah. You know? So I uh, I think that 
um, there, I wrote an article recently, I, I posted it in LinkedIn about coaches and the beauty of coaches and uh, how we've all had a teacher at one time or another who, you know, who really made a difference in our life. And I think that there are a lot of coaches out there who, as you say, are looking to make some money. And then there are coaches out there who really care about the people they're coaching. And for whatever reason, I think it's divine. I think it's the law of attraction. I just got uh, attracted to people who were only loving and kind and great coaches for me. I mean, Andy Enrique in um, down in uh, Florida, he was my storytelling coach. And I adore that man. And he um he's a great coach now how did i find him i have no idea <laughs> i have no idea wow all right so uh i think that's lead us to hot topic so hot topic is a segment where we're gonna ask questions people might not have a chance to ask you so let's go with hot topic now so we're gonna dive deep in into our conversation so you you kind of led to the conversation about the differences of uh, different coaches out there some are good or bad and now you see a lot of people doing it so it's like a trend is there looking out you experience uh, you did uh, you took some co um, coaches uh, lesson is there any advice you will give people who's trying to get better or looking at self-development and they're looking for coaches, what they should be looking for well, in I the think person? You should, you should look for someone who has achieved what you're trying to do. Mm. You know, so if, if you're going, and this is a real simple explanation, Maybe it's not kind, but you know, if I were going to, if I want to get in the best shape of my life, I'm going to find a coach that's in the best shape of their life. Yeah. You know, and if I'm, you know, I, I'm someone who had a brain injury, so I can probably help people understand how to get through their brain injury. Um, well, I can help them <laughs> depending <laughs> on their attitude. Yeah. So what are you looking for? I guess you're looking for someone who is successful at what they are teaching. You know, so, you know, in, in, in school, my art teacher was a really great artist. And okay. she was a great teacher. And, you know, some teachers... Um, don't really excel in what they do, which is what we're talking about right now. And yeah. I guess how do you how do you ferret them out? I don't know. With the proliferation of uh, coaches being what it is these days, I say that everyone needs to contact people who have been their um, their students. Yeah. Find out what these people do and how they do it. If it's going to work with your style. Uh, I mean, everyone has to decide for themselves. It's, yeah. um, it's unfortunately something that there's no guarantees about, right? And yeah. there's little criteria for, and even even in this day and age where people have certifications for things, yeah. you will find people who are inept at what they do. Um, let, let's, let's go with this question about uh, the characteristic of a good coach. Because you, 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 you kind of mentioned it a little bit, but um, what would make a good coach, in your opinion? A good coach opens up doors of mm. possibilities for you to see. Now, whether you choose to walk through those doors or not is up to you. They don't do the work for you. You have to be open and and a. Actually, people should only go to a coach if they're ready to be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a lot of people go and find a coach and then they argue with them. Yeah. So, you know, if you want to get better, 
on the basketball court, are you going to argue with your coach about their criticism of how you're shooting? Yeah. I mean, that's craziness. So you have to be ready to be wrong and to be open to new ideas. And that's why you're, you're going to them. Um, I think it's obvious and we, we have movies about it, article report on it about, um, some sports that pull minute to brain injury. Any, any take on that? The sports like, um, let's say football, football, American football. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll be, I'll be, I would like to hear your take on that. Um, my take on the sport you know the sport that pull me into brain injuries. Well, so hockey and um, female women's lacrosse, which that's kind of crazy. Think about that. Women's lacrosse, um, they don't wear helmets, but the guys do. Now, <laughs> that's wow. a whole conversation, but they've just started to wear them in some places. But um, I think that we could develop a better helmet that would help absorb the shock of a hit in yeah. in play but um i i i also wrote about that i did a little tongue in cheek thing about uh I made a comment about someone who a football player who had said that the helmet that they were wearing preseason you know they didn't want to wear it on on the field during the games because it wasn't really attractive part of the uniform it was like an ugly piece of equipment now and um sort of reminded me of my son he always had to look cool you know when he went out and played hockey. <laughs> it looked really cool yeah. but um but i i do believe in this day and age where you can put people on the moon and send them out into space and all these other great things that we certainly should be able to figure out a way to have a helmet or head protection for people who want to play these sports Mm. Wow. That was great. That was great, Gail. Really appreciate it. So we have a new segment called Trust Me, I Know. So Trust Me, I Know is a segment where it's a brag segment. It's like things you know, you unapologetic about it, <laughs> and you're going to say it the way you feel like. So we're going to introduce Trust Me, I Know with Gail today. Trust me, I know we'll be with Gail today. So, Gail, take us to your trust me, I know moment. Well, trust me, I know that not all tests that are done in the hospital will conclusively show a brain injury. And I know this because it happened to me and I've, I've talked to uh, these two friends neurologists that I've come to know now, both of them combined have almost 80 years experience in neurology. So I think they know what they're talking about. But there are, there's a huge need for us to approach brain injury uh, diagnosis and treatment differently than we're doing now. And there needs to be a, a there needs to be a huge gathering of these medical people who will collectively put together a plan or agree to it anyway. Actually, I've already formulated the plan and it's just common sense to me. And I guess this is where I say, trust me, I know, but, but I'm not a doctor, but I do know that there are too many people walking around with things that could be fixed. Neurofeedback's a huge thing that's coming forward finally the united states uh, government the military has used this for 30 something years and now it's going to come over into the public uh, sector hopefully in maine here we have the the neuro rehab center i was in there the other day and they told me that they are getting two um two systems to start using with people so that's a great thing because up until now there's only been one person here in portland maine and she's got a lot of people to um, to fix. And I think nemotapine has to be looked at. That needs to be looked at. 
because there are just too many stories from this doctor that show. And then the one person that I referred to him, here he is waking up when he spent four months in a hospital and they said, you know, he's not ever going to wake up. You can just take him home and feed him through his tube for the rest of his life. Mm. There's nothing we can do for him. So there, there are a lot of things that have to be done and they should have been done yesterday, but we can pick up the ball and take it now. And, you know, we need new facilities. We need uh, facilities that, that provide people with an, with a all-encompassing look at what's going on with them cognitively there you need to start with blood work blood work will show you if there's something wrong with the brain when an mri a functional mri or a cat scan won't show it but your blood work will show it and people with brain injuries kind of go a little crazy because you've got a group of medical people telling you there's nothing wrong with you can you imagine but you've but you're not thinking the way you used to think you're not feeling the way you used to feel about certain things and you're not able to perform the way you used to perform so you start thinking you're you're you know you might start questioning your sanity a little bit and i think that happens to a lot of people i'm just really grateful that i had the upbringing that i did and the experiences that I had throughout my lifetime that gave me a hard enough shell to be able to get through this. Wow. Well said, well said. Trust me. I know we've gale today, so we excited. So I think people are going to have a lot of um, content and a lot of information to, to know more about brain injury. So let's give you a plug in for your book. I know you wanted to talk about your book, um, anything you want to tell, tell us today about the book? <laughs> well, when I wrote the book, um, I was concussed and heavily symptomatic. And I wrote the book using sticky notes that I put up all around my office area and I would move them around. And, um, that was another coach I had. Um, and, uh, I'm very grateful for him, but this book, uh, I wrote that I wanted it to become obsolete and I really truly do. Uh, except for the parts that are supportive parts, the diagnostic parts, I, I hope they get assimilated into medical practice so that no one has to talk about them anymore. It's just the way it, it's going to happen. And then as far as nutrition and lowering stress and taking away um, elements in your life that create flooding or things that don't assist in healing, uh, I'll rewrite the book. <laughs> to incorporate that. But right now, this book is a great book. I've been told by a lot of people it's helped them. And I actually got a, a text message just the other night from a young man in the Midwest somewhere who I had sent this book to uh, a couple of years, a year and a half ago, I guess. And he just contacted me and said that he had picked it up and was reading it again. And it was helping him so much. And his speech pathologist loved it. So Oh, that's good. That's good. So last word for you, Gail. I think that I'm really grateful for this and opportunity. And I uh, hope that anyone who is having a difficult time navigating uh, their way through a brain injury, they, they know that they can make it through and that there are a lot of things that can be done. No two brain injuries affect people the same way, but there are a lot of commonalities and, and commonalities in things that will help make the brain better. So I would encourage anyone who's experiencing a brain injury moment, and let's just call it a moment because you'll get through it, uh, to pick up my book or pick up uh, Kevin Ballister's book on how to feed a brain. There's there's come out a bunch of books now. and um, and 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 just get better all right thank you thank you gail we really appreciate it so this is divine purpose podcast if you want to support um our purpose give a little help a lot let's create a brighter future by learning and sharing 
each other's journey. Donation amount can be from $25 to $500. And any $500 donation you will get, if you have a business, you have an advertising slot on our podcast. Please scan the QR code over uh, on Venmo, Cash App, and PayPal. So definitely we had a great time with our guest, um, Gail Whitcomb today, and she's the author of um, the con- Concussion Conser- um, Conversation Starter, and then she has a new, a new book, Heal to Heal Your um, Traumatic Brain Injury. Heal Your Traumatic Brain Injury. So, Gail, we appreciate the time. Thank you for being here with us today. Thank you so much. I'm here if anyone needs help they can just contact me and I'll be more than happy to point them in the right direction. All right. Thank you. See you guys soon.